group experience is a new and refreshing way for you, your friends, or your family to travel. Check the show notes to learn more. What is going on? This is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast designed for students of travel. Make sure to visit Destinations Beyond Expectations on Instagram and Facebook so you can be in the know with all the updates happening with the show. Remember, you can find DBE on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else podcasts are available. And to add to that, you can visit dbetravel.com and listen right from there as well. And of course, make sure to tell a friend about the show. Looking to visit an amazing aquarium? Are you a fan of Coca-Cola? Want to visit a city where there are plenty of local restaurants serving delicious southern dishes? My guest today is Nina from the Nomadic Neem Travel Blog, and today we are talking about Atlanta. Nina visited the ATL this past fall and turned her trip into a four-day itinerary, which you can find on nomadicneem.com, or simply scroll down to the show notes where I have it linked. I really enjoyed learning about things to do around Atlanta, so let's get to the show. Here's my chat with Nina, aka Nomadic Neem. Nina, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, today we're talking about your four-day adventure to Atlanta, and we're going to go through some of the places around the city you recommend for people to check out. But before we get into that, when did you take this trip, and what made you pick Atlanta as the destination that you wanted to visit? So I actually just recently visited back in October 2021. Um, It was originally a trip my mom and myself had scheduled um, in October 2020, but it got canceled. So it was a long-awaited trip once it came. And we originally planned it because my mom's a big fan of those um, like zoo and aquarium shows on the Discovery Channel. And she saw Georgia Aquarium was obsessed, and she was like, we have to go to Atlanta. So we had pretty much planned a trip just to go to the aquarium, but it turned out to be so much more. It's interesting that you bring up the aquarium because that is such a big draw for people to go to Atlanta. And it's certainly something that we're going to get into a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. But let's talk through your itinerary starting with day number one. Day one. You arrive in Atlanta and check into your hotel, the Hyatt Place Centennial Park. I think staying near Centennial Park is a really great location since there's so much to do in that area. How is your stay at the Hyatt Place Centennial Park? And for anyone listening who might not be familiar with Centennial Park, tell us more about it. Yeah, so the Hyatt Place, I would highly recommend staying there. The staff is all super friendly. It's very clean and the location is absolutely ideal. Like we said, it's across from Centennial Park, which is... Um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a park, obviously, but it originally was just like this rundown stretch of blocks that only got turned into a park because Atlanta was hosting the 1996 Olympics. So um, the city wanted to have a nice space for the people coming to watch the Olympics and the performers and athletes to like kind of hang out and um, like together in a nice space. So um, Centennial Park was born and they host a ton, like a ton of events there. There's um, like the, a giant Ferris wheel and like a, 
a city view and you can like go to the top of I don't I can't remember what it's called like a sky view or something like that yeah sky view um, Atlanta I think right yeah I um I don't do heights so <laughs> I didn't do that so it's, it was not on my radar so yeah but um yeah other than Centennial Park um being a big draw itself it's across the street from world of coca-cola the aquarium again um the national center for civil and human rights and then across the other street is the college football hall of fame so it's kind of like the central point of the city for a bunch of tourist attractions it's very central and it sounds like uh the hyatt place centennial park is a good stay so listeners maybe have that on your radar if you're going to be visiting atlanta uh so you know, you check into your hotel and then you kick your trip off with a stop for lunch at Mary Max Tea Room. It sounds like Mary Max has a unique history. Uh, tell us more about Mary Max Tea Room and give us insight to why Tea Room is in the name because I found that very fascinating while reading your blog. Yeah, so Mary Max is a really good um, like lunch spot. I, um, I mean, we went for lunch. I would recommend it for lunch for sure. Um, it comes up a lot of the time when you search like best places to eat in Atlanta, like it always comes up. That's how it fell onto our radar. Um, but when we got there, the waitress, she was like, Oh, like, have you been here before? Do you know the history? And when we said, no, she kept telling us she was too busy and wouldn't tell us the history. Like every time she came and I was like, well, I need to know now that you brought it up. So finally, like I got her at the end, I was like, so like, what's this fascinating history that you brought up? And apparently when they opened up back in 1945, women weren't allowed to go to restaurants without men. And that was a big time um, during the war. So it's like why the women couldn't go with men half the time. So they named it a tea room, which was kind of a cool loophole for women to be able to go eat by themselves or with their other you know, girlfriends. Very cool. And it's, it's cool to see that, you know, they found that loophole and use it to their advantage, which was certainly a plus back in those times. Um, we obviously wouldn't see anything like that today. Give me a little, can you give me a review on the, the food? How was it? Uh, did you enjoy your, your, uh, meal? Yeah, the food was really good. It's just, it was your classic Southern food. Um, very like comfort food thing, you know, we had gravy and biscuits and your collard greens and all of that. And just very, very Southern. And I would definitely go back when I go back to Atlanta. Awesome. Now, after Mary Max, the next stop on day one for you is a visit to the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Uh, did you enjoy the gardens? Tell us what your experience was like. Yeah, the Botanical Garden is beautiful. And I would say it's an absolute must for when anyone's building their Atlanta itinerary. It's it's pretty big, but it's easily walkable. Um, it can feel big because a lot of the uh, exhibits, for lack of a better word, are very large too. So you could walk like loops around them. So don't be afraid of of the walking part of it. It's uh, it's really relaxing as you walk around. You see all the different flowers and all the different colors and smells, and it's really cool and. Um, they have this one exhibit that is called Cascade Gardens, and it looks just like Tafiti from the Disney movie Moana. So that definitely was a big draw for me because I was like, 
this is so cool to basically see Tafiti in real life. So that's definitely an absolute must stop at the Botanical Gardens. Are you like a Disney fan? Are you a fan of Disney movies? I am such a Disney fan. So that was, you know, very exciting. <laughs> nice. And after that, the last stop on your first day uh, was at the Fernbank Museum of Natural History for an adults only experience called Fernbank After Dark Potions and Poisons. Well, can you, I guess, start by telling us what the Fernbank Museum of Natural History is and then talk about Fernbank After Dark Potions and Poisons. What is it and is that a regular thing at the that the museum hosts? Yeah, so Fernbank is actually just um, your run-of-the-mill natural history museum, but it's pretty small. Um, you know, they have your dinosaur exhibits and, you know, life and all of that. And what I thought was really cool that made it stand out um, as like, a natural history museum and it's a reason to go on its own other than the event itself because they had this really large um antarctica exhibit and it, like just explaining about like exploring and navigating antarctica and like what they found and like different species and i thought that was really unique because like I, you don't really see a lot of that when you um, go to other museums so that's definitely a highlight there but every, I believe, every month, they, the Fernbank Museum hosts an adults-only experience. And each, each month is a different theme. And so you can go and they have different exhibits that match their themes. They have tables set up. They have, um, like, cocktail bar and, like, a snack bar set up. And they use their outdoor area for them. It's really cool. So... We went in October, so I assumed they were keeping with the spooky theme and they did the potions and poisons. And they pretty much just had like science exhibits um, around the museum. It was like tables of people doing um, different experiments, showing how things can be poisons. And there was like a chart up of like the world's like most notorious poisoners from like history, which I thought was pretty cool. It's like, what they did, how they got away with it kind of thing. And then outside they had made like wire spirits. It's hard to kind of explain what they looked like, but they used wire and like made spirits of different things like wolves or just like a regular ghost or rats, like anything like that and put them throughout the woods in the back and you got to walk through them and just, you know, it's just like a different, Kind of experience you don't really do that kind of thing at a museum so it was it was different it was fun and it's like an adult only event right so do they have like cocktails yeah. that you can kind of sip and walk around that type of thing yeah so um there's a nice cocktail bar like right in the main lobby area and they have some tables set up there's actually a band that plays like in the cocktail area and um it since it's pretty small and the band and the cocktails are like right in the center you could kind of see it from everywhere in the museum and hear the music from everywhere so it's like one big event no matter where you are awesome so let's jump to day number two day two you start your day with breakfast at thumbs up diner tell us about thumbs up diner would you would you give it a thumbs up i absolutely would give it a thumbs up it was my favorite breakfast spot for the entire weekend that we were there the food was just delicious and it just felt like a home cooked meal. And like, 
you could taste the heart that was put into cooking that meal. Like it's not just get the people in, feed them, get them out. It's they care about what they're cooking. Everything tasted so good. They have these things too that like I still think about and I wish I could recreate them. They're called spuds and they're just potatoes that are grilled with peppers, onions, cheese, and everyone's favorite things and just like a bunch of different seasonings and they were delicious. And I would go back in a second. I mean, so safe to say that you would recommend that spot to anyone you know visiting visiting Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So it's af- a little bit outside of the city, but it's worth it's worth the 10, 15 minute drive. Perfect. Now, after breakfast, you took a really neat Uber drive that included passing some historical sites. And then you went to the amazing Georgia Aquarium. I mean, I love the Georgia Aquarium. Tell me all about your experience there. What were some of the things that stood out most about the Georgia Aquarium and take as much time as you want Uh, to talk about the aquarium because it's epic. So I don't know what I was expecting when I went into it. I think I was like, just thought of like the local aquariums that I've been to around here and like in other cities I went to, but Georgia Aquarium was different from like the moment we walked up. It almost felt like Disney world. Like you walk into like this giant queue, there's like music playing and you as soon as you get up to the front you like pose in front of some green screens they get a picture of you in front of you know whatever you choose to be in front of um so that was fun and i've just never done something like that at an aquarium it just felt like a an amusement park from the from the get-go but then when we got in uh, the first thing we did was booked the shows that we wanted to go to and there's a bunch of different included shows um we booked the sea lion show and the dolphin show. And they're both amazing, but I'll get to those as I go through what we did. Um, They do have also paid like animal encounters and animal experiences, but the time slots book super quick for those. And because of COVID, they're a lot more restricted than they usually are as far as how many people they're letting in per time and, or even which, animal encounters are happening because fun fact animals can get COVID too. So they, one of them was limited because the animals did have COVID. One of them was canceled just because they were nervous about it. So if you're going and you want to do something like that, you have to book it like super early. So unfortunately we didn't get to do that. Um, So just definitely recommend booking those early if you're going. But um, yeah, the aquarium too is a little, I don't want to say it's small, but it's smaller than I expected. I think because like walking in, I'm thinking like whale sharks, this has to be the biggest place in the entire world, but everything's pretty like condensed and like they use their space wisely in there. So it's, it's not like it takes forever to walk around. Um, yeah. So then when we, we did the dolphin show pretty early Um, If you sit in the lower section, you will get wet. So if you don't want to get wet, you got to sit in the upper section. Um, And even if you sit in like the first few rows of the upper section, like the way the lower section is, like you're going to, your view is going to be blocked. So like the higher, the better, in my opinion there. But um, it's like a 30 minute show. It's awesome. Um, 
And then the sea lions show the theater is definitely a lot smaller. They theme it as a radio show, which I thought was pretty cool and unique because usually it's just, I feel like every sea lion show is the same. Like everyone's been to one. Once you've been to one, you've seen them all, but theirs is different. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think the next thing, yeah, we did a um, behind the seas tour, which was the one paid thing we did that wasn't an animal encounter, but close enough to be like one. So we were told when we were booking it to do the 215 show or 215 tour, I'm sorry, because as you walk around and learn about like how they run the aquarium and what they do and why they do certain things, you go into where the whale sharks and the manta rays tank opening is. And at 2.15, that's when they feed the whale sharks and the rays. So they all come to the top. So you get to see them like up close and personal, which is incredible. Um, I got some really cool pictures. Um, they're on the blog and on my Instagram if anyone wants to see some whale sharks. But that tour is like 45 minutes and it's totally worth it. You get to, you know, make sure you see every part of the aquarium that you might have missed and like learn about their mission and everything, which as an animal lover myself, I thought was really interesting. But um, yeah, and then of course, I can't not talk about the whale sharks. That's why most people go to the Georgia Aquarium. They're the only aquarium, I think, in the Northern Hemisphere that has whale sharks, something like that. And they're beautiful. They have a whole exhibit that basically is for them and for the manta rays. And then there's a turtle named Tank that swims in there too. So there's a ton to see. And they have it almost set up like a theater. So it's like the tank is against the wall and it's, you know, floor to ceiling. You can see everything. It's huge. And then they have like not theater seating, but it's like steps. So it's like you can kind of see wherever you are. It's not just like one flat floor. So if you're in the back, you're not seeing. So I like how they did that. Um, it was really cool. And you can spend, you know, forever just watching them swim by. They're so majestic and so pretty yeah i mean i think in general you could spend hours in uh the aquarium it's so well done and you brought up the whale sharks i know from personal experience when when i was in atlanta and visited the aquarium um it really kind of i was kind of shocked to be honest with you by the sheer size of the whale shark when i saw it swim by and um it's amazing i do want to ask before we jump to the next kind of topic here of all the things that you did at the aquarium do you have like a favorite animal or favorite experience? Does, does one thing in particular maybe jump out to you or caught you off guard that you really enjoyed? Um, I think I really, I really liked their shark exhibit. I think it was actually a new input um, recently, but they had a really cool shark tank that they have it basically as like a central point and they make the walkway go around it. So you get to see the tank from every angle. And it was just really cool um, to see the sharks like out and about like that. Um, obviously, they don't have any super huge guys in there, but you know, sharks a shark. So after you explore the Georgia Aquarium, it's off to Stone Mountain Park, um, and that's a bit outside of the city. Tell us about your time in Stone Mountain Park, and um, what are some things that visitors can do there. Yeah, so Stone Mountain Park was something that my mom had added to our itinerary. Um, I've never 
I didn't hear about it from my like quick Atlanta research when we were booking everything, but she had found they were having a pumpkin festival up there. Um, it's about a half hour from the city center, but um, it's just cool. It's a mountain, obviously, um, and a park. So they have um, hiking and like this mini theme park area that reminded me a lot of Six Flags, if you had ever been to a Six Flags. Or, um, it's just like all these little like cute shops and um, like places to eat. They had a 4D theater, there's mini golf, a train ride, like amusement park-esque, but like at a mountain with a, like hiking. So it was, it was interesting, but they had um, a pumpkin festival, which is basically just all of these exhibits of pumpkins that were carved and decorated to be like fairy tale stories. So there was like Charlotte's Web and Ursula from The Little Mermaid was one of them, like Humpty Dumpty. So it was really creative and unique and it's something really different to do. I think it's a good spot for families and even adults to just go and get out of the city a little bit. So it's it's interesting that you visited Atlanta in the fall. And I do want to ask, you know, did you like visiting during that time of year? Did you think it was a good fit? Would you maybe go back again in the fall? Or, or what were your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I would definitely do the fall again. I think weather-wise, it was perfect because it was still warm. We got to escape the New York weather a little bit. And... um but it wasn't like overwhelmingly hot, which was nice. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was perfect. Great. So that pretty much caps your day number two. Day three. You start day three with breakfast at Ria's Bluebird, which included delicious bananas, foster pancakes. How was the food and atmosphere at Ria's Bluebird? Ria's was fantastic. Um, I thought. It was definitely like a a chic, like modern, like hip spot to go, like just based on the menu, like they had really unique things like um, the Bananas Foster's pancakes I thought were really different. Like one of their options was like lavender syrup. So they had all these like fun, quirky things that people want to try or want to like, you know, write about on their blogs. And, but they also had like, your typical things like breakfast burritos and buttermilk pancakes and grits because we're in Georgia. So it, it was just good. And I don't know, it was a very, um, it was very like a young crowd. It was comfortable. Cool. So good vibes at Ria's. You, you fill up and get the fuel for your day. And then um, it's for you, it's on to another stop that's kind of focused on animals. And that's Zoo Atlanta. Tell me about the zoo and what were some of your favorite exhibits there? Yeah, so the zoo was probably one of the highlights of the trip for me. Um, big animal person. Um, me and my mom travel a lot to see zoos and aquariums around. Um, and my favorite exhibit at like most zoos are the gorillas, just because I think they're fun. Um, they interact with people a lot. So uh, it was no different um, with Zoo Atlanta. They had their gorilla exhibit. It was tremendous. It was probably the biggest one I've ever seen. And they had it split up into three habitats. So they had one for their bachelors, which was just as it sounds, it was all their single males that kind of formed their own family. 
And then they had their geriatrics, which are their older gorillas. But And then they have um, the one for the family group. So that's where you'll see, you know, mom, dad, and the kids running around. I thought that was pretty cool that they had it separated like that to show kind of how the gorillas would act in the wild as, you know, that they do form bachelor groups and they do like form family groups and the older ones tend to stick together. So I thought that was really cool to see um, the real life viewpoint of it. And then for all their other exhibits, what I really liked was they didn't just have like one spot to view each animal. There was always somewhere else to walk to, to see the animal. So like, you know, you always go to the zoo and there's always like two things that happen. It's either like the animal sleeping or it's like in the corner of the exhibit you can't see. So they kind of eliminated that corner that you can't see and made most of the exhibits like very open. So that was awesome too. And then while we were there, we did one of the animal encounters that they have which um, was to meet one of the elephants that they have. So we didn't get to like, we weren't like in the cage with the elephant, like just to put that out there. Cause when my mom told me about this, I was like, we get to like touch an elephant. Like we get to be in the cage. No. So um, her name was Tara. She is one of the African elephants that lives at Zoo Atlanta. And she stayed in her habitat and there's, it was like bars. And then we get to walk up to a fence and she would come over and like stick her trunk through and we got to feed her lettuce and watch her do some tricks and take a bunch of pictures with her. And it was so cute. They would like blow a whistle and she would like pose with her trunk and like flap her ears. And they teach them everything through positive reinforcement. So she knows like, oh, if I flap my ears and look cute, I'm going to get a treat after this. So, or like, I'm going to get to play with like my favorite toy or I get to, um, some of the tricks they perform, they notice that they do them on their own because they like them. So like they'll use those as positive reinforcement too. So it's like, oh, I get to perform that trick I love doing. Like if I do this right. So it's um, a very positive way to get um, the animal interactions. So um, it's a little expensive to do, but I think it's totally worth it if if you could swing it, that's something I would recommend taking advantage of. It sounds to me like you're such a big animal person and um, the animal experiences were such a big part of this trip for you and your mom. Um, it sounds like it did, but I'll just throw this out there. Did it kind of meet or exceed your expectations? Um, I know you, you probably thought about the experiences with the animals that you were going to do a lot before you travel to Atlanta, but would you say Atlanta is a really great spot to, you know, have those kind of, um, animal experiences? Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't think about it when you think you're going to Atlanta, it's like I'm going to a city, I'm not going to have animal encounters, but I think because of like the way the people at Georgia Aquarium and at Zoo Atlanta care about the animals, they make it a positive experience for both you and for the animals so it's I think it's really an amazing place to do it because of how much the people that work there and the caretakers really do care about their experience and yours awesome um after seeing some animals at the zoo Atlanta you make your way to a place called event tide brewing for some afternoon sips 
Tell us about Eventide Brewing. How was the beer and did you enjoy hanging out there for a bit? Yeah, so this place was awesome. Um, After the zoo, we had planned to do like a little brewery hop, but um, the first place we went to was closed unexpectedly um, just for the day, not permanently. So we ended up going to Eventide or Eventide and it's an old warehouse turned brewery and they have indoor and outdoor seatings. They have games everywhere. So you can kind of just kick back and relax while you have your drink and have a good time with your friends. Um, I got, again, cause it was October. I had to get an Oktoberfest. Um, it was great. And then I realized they had flights. So I'm a big fan of trying everything I can when I go places. So I went with the flight and because of that, we did not make it to the other breweries, but the beer there was delicious. I can attest to that, but it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on the beer spectrum? Do you like like lighter beers? Do you like the stouts and porters somewhere in the middle IPAs? What, what's your, what's your favorite kind of beer? Um, definitely not an IPA person. Um, I, I tend to go for the ambers and the ales. Um, I like a good stout every so often, but just like one and done. Yeah, IPAs are not my jam, so. So you made one more stop uh, in the evening this day, and that's for dinner at Porter at the Porter Beer Bar in Little Five Points. Unfortunately, they were out of ranch and blue cheese, as you mentioned in your blog, but you also talk about the food being really good. Tell me more about the Porter Beer Bar. So the crazy thing about that is they weren't just out of ranch and blue cheese. They just don't serve it. Like, it's straight up. They're like, no, you don't get it, which I think is crazy because I'm a total ranch stan. And like, how do you serve wings and not have those <laughs> as options? But it was actually really good. And, you know, even without my ranch on my wings, like it was just like good bar food. Um, we got some pierogies, which I thought was different. I usually don't see that, you know, on a bar menu and they were delicious. So definitely a tasty spot to try. You begin day number four at an Atlanta hotspot, the Atlanta Breakfast Club. Uh, talk to us about the importance of arriving early or visiting Yelp to add yourself to the waitlist there, and then kind of just describe the delicious Southern dishes um, that someone might find at the Atlanta Breakfast Club. Yeah, so Atlanta Breakfast Club is a huge hotspot for tourism and the Atlanta residents themselves. Um, it's just it's a great breakfast spot and it fills up very, very quickly. It's walkable from um, the Hyatt place. So it's walkable to the hotel. Um, So we saw every day the line that would form. We went on a Monday. So thankfully it wasn't super, super crowded, but we did go, you know, bright and early. We were there by 9am just to make sure we got our spot. Um, and got a table because they don't do reservations. So the best you can do is add yourself to the wait list that they have on Yelp, Um, which never a bad idea if you know you're planning on going around a certain time. Yeah, again, the food, just your classic Southern food, just biscuits and grits. And my mom got, I think it were peach cobbler French toast, which was like, is that dessert or breakfast? But it looked amazing. She said it was delicious. Um, I thought, you know, the grits and the biscuits were on point. 
So you're not Southern, right? But I, I want to ask, what's your take on Southern food? Do you enjoy it? So, yeah, I'm from New York, uh, born and raised, and I love Southern food. So, like, anytime I see grits on a menu, I'm going to order them. Like, I'm all about biscuits. I'm all about, you know, fried food. Take a chicken, fried chicken any day. <laughs> but Yeah, there's nothing like uh, a really good, you know, Southern cooked meal, in my opinion. Uh, before your trip comes to a close, you head over to the world of Coca-Cola, which you initially thought would be a basic museum. Uh, but you ended up finding out that it's full of experiences and unique history. What can visitors expect during a visit to the world of Coke? Yeah, so I I don't know why I just like didn't think this was going to be exciting. I was like, oh, it's a museum about soda. Like, what can that really offer you? But they make it an experience from the moment you walk in. When after you give your ticket, you're shuffled into like this little room and somebody comes out in like this red sequin suit and just starts explaining the, like the history of Coke, but like in such a fun, like theatrical way. And he points out that everything in the room that you're standing in is actually an artifact, like that relates to Coca-Cola. So they have like a syrup dispenser from like, um, I think the 1800, late 1800s. And like um, a machine that, shows like it costs five cents to buy a coke like can you imagine paying five cents for a soda like it's pretty cool to think about that um and then after that you walk in and you're brought into a theater and you watch basically a six minute long coke commercial and it just shows like how influential this soda is to people's lives which sounds crazy but because it's been around so long like it kind of is true um, I know for me personally, like me and my best friend, like whenever we're out, it's like, okay, we got to go get a Coke first. And so it's like, it's silly, but like, that's part of our routine. And like, we don't even think about it. Did you get to try all the Coke, the different Coke products, uh, on the, at the sort of the end of museum where they have all the different Coke products from across the world? Yeah. So at, yeah, at the end, after you go through, they have like, um, the history and then like you smell to see if you can get the flavors and then at the end is the taste test um which i my only piece of advice here is to take it slow because i went in hard and i was like i'm trying every single one of them and my stomach was like i was fully carbonated by the time i was done here there are some interesting flavors out there um you can definitely tell like where certain flavors are from there a lot of like really sugary like bright flavors and like fruity flavors or like um came from like asian countries and the caribbean like and a lot of your more like basic or like i don't know like unusual flavors came from like europe like there was one from italy that i just remember being like absolutely disgusted by and i was like shocked because you know doesn't love Italian food, you'd think their soda's good too, but <laughs> no. <laughs> it's definitely interesting to see what makes it in the different markets across the world. I, I found that very fascinating. Oh, absolutely. So the very last stop before you made your way home was at a place called The Yard. Your blog includes this amazing looking milkshake from The Yard. <laughs> uh, tell me more about The Yard and what kind of milkshakes uh, you might find there. 
So the yard is um, a milkshake bar and they also have ice cream. Um, you can buy like pints of when you go there, but the yard is like an Instagram dessert dream. They make these giant milkshakes that are covered in candy and cookies and different types of drizzles and sprinkles. Um, and they have so many different options. There was a group of little girls in front of me and my mom ordering, and they all got things like one of them was like a unicorn. So it was all colorful. Another one was mermaid. So it was like sparkly. And um, I didn't go for the colorful. I went for the, the like chocolate peanut butter brownie or something like that. Can't go wrong there. And it was worth every single bite. And surprisingly, did not feel terrible after eating it because it's one of those things that just like looking at it makes your stomach hurt. But it, they're really, really, really good. Yeah, when I saw your picture, I was like, I need a milkshake right now. It looks so <laughs> delicious. So Nina, if someone pops over to nomadicneen.com, they can find this four eventful days in Atlanta post that we're talking through today, along with some other great articles. Um, but tell me more about Nomadic Neen. When did you start blogging and what are some of the things that people can find if they visit your website? Yeah, so I started this as a pandemic project back in May 2020. Um, my cousin, who's also a, a travel blogger, she texted me one night and she's like, why don't you also blog? So I was like, yeah, I, guess, I mean, like I have nothing else to do right now. I might as well try it. And I was like, you know what? Like, I love this. This is awesome. I'm going to keep going. So it just turned into what it is today, almost two years later, which is very exciting. But um, I started with just travel stories, which is what this post is. It's stories within the full itinerary if you, you know, chop out all the, uh, the guts of it. But um, I like to just tell my experiences because I feel like it makes the, the travel a little more authentic, a little more real. It's not just like, oh, go here. And it's like, well, why? So it's like, what happened? Like, what was your experience there? So I think the stories are like a good element. But I've also realized like not everyone wants to read a full story for everything you did over your four days in Atlanta, you know. So I also started posting more simple, like basic itineraries, just if you need you know, if you're planning a trip and just need like a good outline of or some places you might want to try. Um, so just like simple itineraries, things to do, but um, mostly travel stories. Yeah, I think whether or not you want to know about the why to travel somewhere or you just want, like you said, the the itinerary to get you started on a, a trip, nomadicneen.com is a great place to kind of get those ideas. Um, let us know where people can give you a follow on Instagram, Facebook, or anywhere else on social media. Yes. Yeah, so um, on Facebook, just nomadic mean. Um, on Instagram, nomadic underscore mean. Um, the other one was taken. And um, I think Twitter is nomadic mean with no underscore. And yeah, but if um, you can't remember all of the different social medias I have, all my social media is listed on my website just nomadicneen.com and or if any questions nomadicneen at gmail.com is my email you could always reach out and happy to share whatever whatever i can very cool uh nina one last question for the podcast today uh, we always ask this question to our, our guests but uh, destinations beyond expectations is the podcast that's designed for students of travel 
So I want to ask you, are you somebody who considers yourself to be a student of travel? And uh, if so, talk about maybe one or two lessons that you've learned uh, through travel. Yeah, so I definitely would consider myself a student of travel. Um, I feel like I've learned that there's so much more out in the world. And I, I know I've said it like three times already, but like I'm from New York City. So it's already a very diverse place, you know, a melting pot. There's so many different foods and cultures right here. But I think, you know, we don't understand cultures and people's lifestyles outside of our own until we actually get immersed into it. So I've learned to be a little more um, open-minded just from traveling and um, through the experiences that I've gone on. And yeah. I love it. Uh, Nina, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed hearing your story. Uh, about your trip to Atlanta and, you know, getting to hear all of the stuff you did at the zoo and the aquarium and the, the great Southern food you ate. So thanks for sharing those experiences with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. This was fun. A big DBE thank you to Nina for joining the show. Be sure to visit nomadicneen.com to find more great travel blog posts, short stories, itineraries, and more. Have you ever been to Atlanta before, or are you thinking about going? If so, I want to hear about it. Email me at dbetravel1 at gmail.com and tell me about your travel experience or what you plan to see when you visit. Make sure to visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. And remember, no matter where you're listening, hit that subscribe or follow button. A couple more ways to support the show. You can give Destinations Beyond Expectations a follow on social media. And of course, recommend this podcast to someone you know who loves learning about travel. One more quick piece of exciting news. In addition to DBE, I'm part of a new show. It's called Destination Dispatch, and it's a live stream I co-host with some colleagues in the travel industry. Each week, we talk to destination specialists to learn more about their destination. The show is live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, and you can watch the show by following Group Travel Odyssey on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, that is all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon.